This paid podcast is a partnership between Slate Studios and Century 21 Real Estate. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast. From Century 21 Real Estate, this is The Relentless, the podcast that looks at sales differently. As entrepreneurs, we write our own playbooks. When we're thrown off course, when assumptions hold us back, we find a way to move fearlessly in a different direction. I'm Kristen Meinzer. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and podcast host. And in a world filled with noise, there's a superpower I've developed that's helped me more than anything else. Never letting fear get in the way. That means building up confidence, taking risks, and tackling the really hard problems. And that's what we're exploring this season. How can we move fearlessly in a world filled with potential obstacles? Get ready to meet the people who transform what scares them into something that inspires them. It's time to move fearlessly and stay relentless. Think back to a really intense moment you had as a leader. A time when you faced a lot of uncertainty, when your team members all looked to you for guidance, This challenging time fell far outside the familiar zones of professional and personal experience. None of your go-to solutions were a good fit. What did you do? Well, turns out there's a set of core skills to get us through these unusual moments and crises. For leaders and entrepreneurs, these skills can help us move fearlessly when we're far beyond our comfort zone. My guest today is truly the best guide out there to walk us through these core skills and how we can acquire them. I'm Jackie Bressy. Uh, I'm a co-leader at the McKinsey Health Institute, um, and I am a senior expert at McKinsey Company and a co-author of Deliberate.com, How to Learn and Lead in a Volatile World. Jackie has devoted her career to the field of sustainable human development and performance. Her work influences leaders and entrepreneurs across industries around the globe. Yet, even with all her professional achievements, about 10 years ago, Jackie had a confidence crisis of her own. I struggled with anxiety my whole life, but now it actually reached a a higher level. And long story short, that has led me on the path of also studying the biology and the neuroscience behind stress and resilience. And so along the way, I got another academic degree in neuroscience which led me to the path of uh, combining the two fields, studying uh, leadership resilience, emotional flexibility, and organizational behavior together. But that's a very rich combination. It is. And that combination comes through in your new book, Deliberate Calm, How to Learn and Lead in a Volatile World. When did it dawn on you that leaders really need to be taught these skills, this adaptability? If you look at what makes leaders, but also people in general, successful in life, an important part of that is skill sets, an important part of that is circumstances, but also an important part of that is basically how you deal with setbacks and how you deal with difficulty and how you uh, regulate emotions. And, And we see there is independent research of the different elements that we discuss in the book that show emotion regulation, for example, emotional intelligence, uh, adaptability, learning agility, how that is uh, important for uh, leader success and leader performance, but also for well-being. For my my own confidence crisis many years ago, had I known the skills that I have now, I could have prevented a lot of the pain uh, and I could have jumped on more opportunities. 
we found out that what now is natural for us, a lot of people do not even know or do not practice. Now, you just mentioned these four core areas that you focus on in your book. Can you walk us through each of the four? Adaptability, learning agility, awareness, emotional self-regulation, and explain uh, what you mean by each of these and how they can be developed and how they can apply to our management styles to make us better leaders. I think the number one is uh, self-awareness or awareness, as you mentioned it. And at the core of our book, we talk about dual awareness, which is something you need to develop to actually make the right decisions in difficult moments. And dual awareness uh, refers to not only becoming aware of yourself, there's also the situation itself. And we call it dual awareness because these two work together, right? We are, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, we often find ourselves in in different settings that may feel challenging. Why is the the awareness of the situation so important? Is that, you know, sometimes in, uh, in particular situations, where we experience stress, it may be high stakes, familiar territory. So yes, there is something difficult, there is high stakes, but we actually are trained for it and we know how to handle it if we just focus and manage our stress. However, in the current world, we find ourselves more and more often in high stakes and familiar uh, situations. And for those situations, we do not always have the skills. Your default may be do more of the same thing because that's what you've learned. Eventually, we learned how to adjust and adapt in a new world. That's where we we bring in adaptability. So this dual awareness, what does the situation call for and what's going on for me is a powerful combination. And we describe different levels of awareness in the book and how you can develop them. If you develop those, then you can bring the other elements in. It is all about what do I need to change and adjust in this situation? What is the situation calling for and how do I respond to it? And that is what the whole book is basically about. Yeah, and you lay out a range of situations leaders are responding to, from global events like the pandemic to more intimate personal challenges. We can experience small shocks. We can experience shocks in family situations, market situations. Uh, we have examples in the, in the world. There's a war going, there are multiple wars. There's also uh, natural disasters. It, you know, it can be big and it can be small. If we experience a sudden lack of control, our brain then closes down and we default to what we know. And that's where if we become aware of that, that's the opportunity of snapping out of it and actually change uh, the way we approach our day-to-day life. But based on your research, why is it that we default to what we know when we need to adapt the most? So that's just biology. That's science. We naturally want to protect ourselves. The human being likes to be in control. They're always predicting what is happening next. And based on the way our brain predicts what's happening next, we we respond. And if something is new, then uh, our brain signals, do we need to learn something new or are we potentially in danger? And as long as we don't know what's going on, uh, our default is, uh, you know, let's make sure you are safe. We naturally want to control the situation and we feel uncomfortable if we don't know what's happening. But learning to become aware And then learning to feel comfortable with that little pinch of of discomfort, you know, gets you out of an extreme stress response into still feeling stress. Instead of the state of protection, we call it the state of learning. Mm. I mean, you need stress uh, in your life as well. And you also need stress uh, and arousal to learn. But if it's Mm. extreme, that's not the place where you can actually uh, learn best from. And if it is always in the extreme, you're always vigilant. I always have sympathetic nervous system arousal all the time. You can also make yourself sick. 
So we talk about uh, in the book that this is normal uh, and we bring in neuroscience also because in our world, uh, and I think it's also in the world of entrepreneurs, definitely it's also in the sports world, it is sometimes seen as something weak if you talk about these type of topics about insecurity and stress. But if you can talk about the science, then it allows people to open up and it allows people to give themselves permission to actually listen to the content and learn about that as well, because then they don't feel like it's a weakness. It's, it's just a simple biological reaction. It's different for everyone because it depends on the context that you're in, um, what you bring from your past uh, and also physically how you feel, which is why we talk also about how you need to keep a maintenance system for yourself to take care of yourself so that you are ready to deal with stressful situations. Mm, what do you mean by that? To set yourself up for success, it is important to take care of the foundations, uh, which include recovery. So we talk about the role of sleep. We talk about the role of active recovery and sports and nutrition. And then there are different ways, basically, of taking care of your recovery. Um, but taking the ownership of that for your own program and be intentional about that, because nobody is going to do it for you. As we all know, you can better deal with stress if you're well rested and well taken care of yourself. But if you're, for example, tired, you become more vulnerable uh, for stress. You much faster uh, have knee-jerk reactions. Uh, okay. You may perceive the world uh, as more threatening, etc. Yes. And also, in my case, if I haven't had my lunch. So <laughs> I got to be at your lunch today, Kristen. Got to be well rested and got to be well fed. Yes. <laughs> now, yeah. in this podcast series, we have a special focus, as you know, on entrepreneurial leaders and leaders in the real estate space. What are some ways the learnings of deliberate calm could be applied specifically to entrepreneurs? So for entrepreneurs, there's a study that I published a couple of years ago that looked at what makes entrepreneurs happy. And in that study, we found that the very same skills that we include in this book uh, are important contributors uh, to um, entrepreneurship, happiness and satisfaction overall with life. Uh, and why is that? For entrepreneurs, the unpredictability can be uh, higher. It depends on what industry you are, of course. But if you're an entrepreneur, you take all the risk. You know, if you're an individual entrepreneur, you put your whole investment in, in a particular organization, you take a huge risk and you are, as an owner of the organization, also feeling the huge pressure. And it can be very volatile. One day it can go in the right direction and then the next day a new competitor joins the market, totally shakes up the landscape of that market. And then there is this huge immense pressure to, of course, respond to that. And the emotional flexibility skills that, that we researched in our study, which are also part of this, uh, of this book, are helping to find life satisfaction for entrepreneurs because it helps them to actually deal with those challenges, to also lean in more and to, in the right way, you know, regulate what goes on inside, deal with the stress. It absolutely relates for anybody who's actually going through volatile situations because it tailors itself to the individual, to the person who reads the book. Mm. A lot of our listeners are in the real estate space and different rivers of uncertainty flow through that industry, like shifting markets. And one of the skills you talk about in your book is projecting calm. Projecting calm is something we know that the best real estate entrepreneurs do. They project it to their teams of agents as well as to first-time home buyers. Can you talk more about the importance of projecting calm 
and why more leaders need to adopt this behavior? That is a, a, an excellent question. And, and projecting calm may make people assume that it is all about the mask that you put on. It's all about showing calm, but actually you're not feeling calm inside. Our intention with this book is not about putting a mask on and acting as if you're calm, but it is really about being authentic mm. and being able to deal with the discomfort of not feeling calm. Uh, and by doing that in a skillful way, actually, you will be able to also project calm in the moment. At the heart of all this work that we uh, do is also connecting strongly with your sense of purpose, with what really matters to you. If you do that, and that may evolve over life, right? So why are you in real estate? Why are you actually serving the clients that you serve? What is important to you helps you on the one side to move away from things that are not important to you um, and, and make important choices, but also helps you to do difficult things, leading into uncertainty and, um, and having difficult conversations, which you also need to do sometimes as an entrepreneur. Having the skills to have more of an authentic conversation in difficult situations, practicing those skills help us also to open up to, to, to try new things. I like to think that calm is contagious, but sadly, so is chaos. If all you're projecting or I'm projecting is like, oh, everything's terrible. Oh my God, what are we going to do? I don't know the answers. What, what is happening here? It doesn't make the people around me feel better. And it just kind of snowballs. That's true. That's true. Eh? We, we find a, a high number of toxic workplace behavior in organizations now. We um, One of the research studies that we've done in the McKinsey Health Institute, one out of four actually uh, of our um, participants indicated they experienced this. And, and, and one, we've also uh, interviewed a lot of researchers on this topic, the cascade effect, the domino effect of, uh, of stress uh, and toxic behavior and lack of deliberate calm is huge. But so is the opportunity side of it as well, of course. Now, you have your finger on the pulse of so many styles of leadership. You've been working in this world for many, many years. Uh, you've been researching and collecting data. Other than, you know, what you're focusing on in your book, what other leadership skills have you studied that might resonate with our listeners, especially entrepreneurs and real estate professionals? I've looked at uh, at many uh, leadership styles, uh, indeed, and and as I said, you know, we're not dogmatic about what is a leadership style that works best. If you want to create uh, environments where people can be at their best, and where you want to be able to have challenging conversations where people actually feel safe. So there are so many styles of leadership: transformational leadership, uh, participatory leadership, compassionate leadership. It is really about how do you build those relationships and how do you build connections? I cannot tell you one leadership style is the best because it really depends on the situation, but it is more focused on creating the space where people can challenge each other in a safe way. And those styles are transformational leadership, participatory leadership, compassionate leadership, which leadership that builds relationships and connections and therefore creates a, the context for opportunities. In some ways, it feels like deliberate calm and this podcast are kindred spirits. Across all three seasons of our show, we've been identifying and amplifying transferable skills and attitudes that help entrepreneurial leaders. And this season, we're exploring how these skills can help us move fearlessly. What does the phrase move fearlessly mean to you? 
Oh, I love that question. <laughs> Move fearlessly. Uh, the hope that comes out of that question is huge, right? Uh, because uh, moving with fear is uncomfortable. For me, it means I would say feel the fear and do it anyway, uh, mm-hmm. which is more about courage. Then the key ingredient there is that you move towards what matters. Mm. And so the moving fearlessly, so the promise of deliberate calm is not that you will never experience fear. I think actually the promise would be that you will be able to handle fear and focus what matters to you, irrespective of what fear it may evoke, right? Life is impossible without fear. Otherwise, you need to sit on a chair and never leave your house. And maybe you still have fear when you do that. But when you really engage in life and when you want to reach your potential, you have to do scary things. That's normal. But how can you move uh, with courage? And so feel the fear and do it anyway. I think that's what I would like to call it. Oh, I love that. And then connecting with your purpose, as you were saying. Can you give me an example of a leader that you've studied who has really embodied that for you, that moving fearlessly or feeling the fear and doing it anyway? Yeah, well, uh, when I went into my confidence crisis, uh, which I called confidence crisis afterwards, I came to a point where I actually wanted to uh, to do something with, with what I experienced and find out what this was really about. And I, I found it very scary to talk about it. And I started to talk about it. I did a, a TED talk uh, on this and it felt like uh, me coming out uh, to the world, <laughs> my challenge with anxiety and uncertainty. But that's part of that process. Um, I already started to study this topic and also understand that this was a much bigger problem uh, than only Jackie Brassi. And it was not only, uh, I was not uh, the only person in the world experiencing this. And ever since I started to do that, I do a lot of uh, talking about, uh, I talk a lot about this topic also in public, which is very scary to do, Kristen. I mean, vulnerability is the most scary thing uh, because I can tell you there were people, if I if I would classify them into uh, uh, groups, uh, one group of people uh, gave me feedback and said, wow, it's, it's amazing that you talk about this. And actually, I learned a lot from it, but also I suffer with this. And can you actually share more? It would be great if we can do something more about this and, and that it becomes, it norm- we normalize this topic. And But there was also a group of people that said, uh, you know, why would you do this? Are you not worried that this will harm your career? And I know now, Kristen, that um, it can harm my career because stigma is real. Uh, yet. This uh, stigma, we need to rebuild a new emotional connection uh, with, with fear and with, with insecurity and building deliberate calm skills because it's actually super cool if you have them. We know uh, the impact of that. If you ask me what is scary for me, sometimes it's scary for me to go on a big stage. Sometimes uh, it's scary for me to, to talk about these topics and to uh, expose myself and my own vulnerability. But I do it because it's such a strong part of my purpose. And I really want to make the world a better place um, and teach these skills and help the world. Because I also think, by the way, I strongly believe that a lot of the problems that we see in the world could be served massively if we brought these skills in the middle. It became from then on a decision that this is what I want to work on and I want to help uh, people with. And I feel the fear and do it anyway, basically. For me, this was a very conscious decision. And many leaders that we talk to, that we work with, have their own version of that. Oh, yes. Absolutely. What's my purpose? What do I want to do? And then that is actually when you can uh, become your most powerful version of yourself. (laughs) So... Jackie, in your own life personally, what are your deliberate calm practices? I actually practice 
almost everything in the book. I have different versions of it along the way. Um, and, and so I, it's very fluid. A couple of sub-practices um, that I include is um, setting my intention in the morning. So when I wake up, I take a couple of minutes to really take a deep breath and reflect about my day and look ahead what's going on and when are the moments where I really need to be at my best. When do I expect the biggest challenge uh, and where do I expect the biggest curveballs? And then I visualize how do I want to show up? uh, How do I want to be and how do I set myself up for success? And what are the little things that I need to do to actually at my best for those particular moments during the day? If it is a big meeting, then I book half an hour free before I actually enter that meeting. So I have space for a walk. So I set myself up for success for that meeting. So morning intention is a very important one for me. Another one that I um, that I do, I do a lot of breathing exercises. So if I have an SOS moment where it really doesn't go well, the two things that you can always fall back on, and if you have that in your backpack, it gives you confidence and also comfort with that inf- discomfort and fear is knowing how to breathe. Um, and one very famous um, breathing method uh, that uh, that we also mentioned in the book that we borrowed from Professor Huberman from Stanford is this physiological sigh, which means you breathe in twice uh, through your nose. So a long breath and then a short breath after that and a long breath out, which is, according to research, the fastest way of, of calming your physique down in the moment, right? Because in the moment you cannot do all kinds of purpose exercises or other exercises that we give. You need to be there right now and before. Related to that, what I use is um, voice techniques. Your larynx is related to your uh, vagus nerve, which is also connected to your parasympathetic nervous system. I don't know if you noticed it and if it comes across in this podcast, but I try to get a calm space where I have a calm voice, a soft, warm voice, which actually helps me to calm down, but also has the impact on the conversation and the people that we that I talk with, like you, Kristen, and, and the listener, I hope. If you are stressed, you, you consciously or unconsciously sometimes start uh, breathing from your chest gives you a different, uh, maybe a crackle in your voice or uh, a higher pitch. If you become aware, that's why awareness is so important to start with, you can actually try to bring that down and then you get into that uh, space. Then the third one, I do a lot of walking and running. That is one of the practices that I do deliberately. It helps my brain, uh, but it also helps me to get rid of a lot of stuff. And those are non-negotiables, whether it's nice weather or not. This is what I'm going to do. And that, that's why it becomes a practice. So we fit that together in a personal operating model, which is a bit of a, um, a way where you can build your, as a structure that helps you to build your own habits and practices and be intentional about it. But it also links you to what matters to you and the situation that you're in. So if your circumstances change, maybe you need new habits, et cetera, et cetera. That's all great. And for all of the entrepreneurs out there listening to the show, Uh, In addition to hitting that order button on your book right now, what is one thing they can do in this moment to start walking down that path toward deliberate calm? Just one one thing they can do today. I would say I would like to invite them to start noticing and to start, you know, take a couple of days and notice those moments where you feel stressed or where you feel challenged. And if you notice a moment where you have that experience, Very quickly, notice what your thoughts are, notice what you feel in your body, and also notice 
what your behavior is as a result of it. Take a, take a bit of a pause and spend a bit of time reflecting. It needs to only be 30 seconds maybe. And then the next one and then the next one. And maybe at the end of the day, uh, jot down a few notes. If you do this for a week, you may start seeing a pattern. Eventually, where deliberate calm leads to is that you start seeing it happening in the moment and you can intervene and you can be effective. But it starts with first starting to notice it. It's almost like if you want to run a marathon, you don't do that overnight. You start with small steps. So small step is about starting to notice. Mm. Oh, that's something we can all do. Yes, absolutely. Jackie Brassi, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed our conversation. In a minute, we'll meet a Century 21 affiliate who's been projecting calm for three decades. Stay with us. Here's a little real estate reality from me, a Century 21 affiliated agent. Looking for your perfect home? You should look for your perfect agent first. Most people spend more time picking a restaurant than a real estate agent. That's why we encourage you to browse through ratings and reviews on Century21.com so you can find an agent who will put 121% of their effort into finding your next home. Century 21. Move fearlessly. Each office is independently owned and operated. Century 21 is a registered trademark owned by Century 21 Real Estate, LLC. And we are back. If anyone knows about core leadership skills, it is Tony Geraci. I'm Tony Geraci. I'm broker and owner of Century 21 Homestar, uh, based in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, but servicing all of Ohio. And I've been in the real estate business going on 30 years now. At the helm of his 500-person team, Tony keeps everything humming, even through uncertain times and shifting markets. That's when people need us the most. They need that expert. When I have agents every day calling me, they say, oh my gosh, the market shifting to this. I go, this is the perfect time for you to reach out to people, to connect with them, talk to them. You see it in the news. Our product is selling houses. When the market's flat, that's when people forget about us and, and don't need us as much. Good or bad, when, even when it goes down, it's good for us. Perfect time to go back to basics and just pick up the phone, call people, connect with people, let them know you're their trusted real estate advisor when it's uncertain of what's happening with the rates and the economy and the values of the houses. He's seeing his agents connecting with buyers and sellers. Some are even doing more business now than they did the year before. There's always a piece of the pie. So when I tell agents, if they're, wow, well, if the market comes down 20%, there's still 80%. You could go get it. If the market comes down 50%, there's still 50%. You could go get it. So don't let the percentages or what's going on. This is a perfect time to where people want to talk real estate and connect with them. Absolutely. Embrace the change. They're not thinking about you when there isn't a change. So... Embrace the fact that they're thinking of you. <laughs> now, all through this podcast series, we are highlighting transferable skills and attitudes. And specifically in this season, we're connecting how these skills help us move fearlessly. What does the phrase move fearlessly mean to you? Move fearlessly is just is sticking to what you want to accomplish without, you know, veering from your path. In real estate, in the last 30 years, it's still the same game. This is a people-person business, building relationships, communication. No matter where technology is, nowhere the world's going, that stays the same. 
move fearlessly is continue doing the right things, doing the basics and continuing on with that, no matter where the rates are, where the market is, where the economies are, what's happening in the world. You you do, that's the one thing I like about real estate. It's always there. Even through a pandemic, you know, I thought, wow, this is, this is the one thing that might stop real estate for a while. And it didn't. People powered through that. It doesn't matter what's happening. They need to live somewhere or need to sell something. And uh, that's a great thing about our jobs as realtors. Over the last 30 years, I learned we're not going anywhere. There's no, there's no way the interest <laughs> rates are, the economy is going, buyer market, seller's market, wars, pandemics. They need us uh, to keep the, the economy going. Well, can you share a story with me where you moved fearlessly through all of those different changes or one of those specific changes? I would definitely just say during COVID, during the pandemic, you know, when when that happened and lockdowns happened, we really had to be fearless. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't know if uh, what was happening with COVID, if how you, even the first few days, weeks, we didn't know how to catch it, if we're touching someone or where we're going in and buyers are calling, agents are calling and said, we have to close this house. These people are moving, are in a car right now, moving in from out of town and getting into town. We got a mass up, put gloves on, tell the title companies, do what we need to do to get in here. Other aspect of moving fiercely is just being an entrepreneur. This is a commission-only business. You have to be fearless in what you can do. You just got to do it and know that you're, what you're doing every day is doing the right things because we never know when the next sales going to be or could be as, as agents or full-time agents, so to say. Well, sometimes that's easier said than yeah, done, to, right. you know, to, to move fearlessly through that, but also just to control our responses under pressure. You know, these are genuine, real, legitimate stresses you're talking about, real uncertainties. Uh, the pandemic, especially in the beginning, was a terrifying time for most of us. Sure. Can you give examples of what you have done to stay focused and to stay present and to control your responses when these kinds of pressures are surrounding you? Oh, definitely. When when training agents, I manage and oversee uh, a little over 500 agents just in within my company. Daily, I'm on the, the, the phone and helping coaching them on exactly what you say. We as agents need to be the calming voice and the voice of reason and the voice of, of security with your clients. Well, you're clearly a leader. You talk about the guidance that you give to your agents, the guidance you give to your clients, and so on. How do your leadership skills help you connect with the community? The leadership is just showing the people individually and as much as we can advertise this, that we've been here. Like our, my office, I started this office 25 years ago. Myself as a broker, I oversee our agents, but even our, our agents that just started, and when I, I coach them to go out and explain to their clients, I try to explain, you've got to show our history of our office of being around in the community for 25 years. So, so many agents out there, especially any agents out there listening to this that are newer, you're not alone. So some companies, some places make agents feel like they're alone. They're on their own. They're they're new. But when I try to tell our agents, we're more of a team here. So it's kind of like I use that example, like when you walk into a restaurant and the server's new, you don't run out the door. Oh, server's new. I'm not eating at this restaurant. But you know the restaurant's been there for 25 years. The server has the the managers, the owners, the the chefs behind them. 
And that's how I, I try to express to our community. You might come across one of our new agents, but they have leadership. They have the, the knowledge and all the expertise behind them. And they just have to ask questions if, if they're newer. Yeah. And the other thing I heard as you were telling your story there is that you stress the fact that you are not just serving the community, but you've created community within your brokerage, that nobody is out on a limb by themselves, that every agent has a community of people helping them and uh, mentoring them and helping them to do their best work. So the community is inside the building and it's, you know, outside the building. That's what it sounds like to me you're doing. Exactly. And then and, and in real estate broker side of things, I'm legally responsible for everything that happens. My license as a broker in the state of Ohio connects to every single one of our transactions, every one of our buyers and sellers, everything, making sure agents do things correctly. And as the owner, what that connects me with the agent is good, bad, or ugly financially, I benefit or hurt if things don't happen. But I try to express that to our agents, they filter to down to their our clients and to our community community is that our broker owner, if even if I'm not personally talking to them, is 100% attached to your transaction, even though he is not in front of us and he's just a call uh, or text or email away to help with that. And what, Tony, are you most excited about for the future? Here, there's always opportunity for people. And as an industry, the economy, people buying and selling and moving and first-time home buyers and starting new jobs and relocating and retiring and downsizing. All of this helps economy. I remember reading an article many years ago, and I think they say when someone buys a house in a community, it brings about $40,000 of spending in that city or in that area from the agents to the people, uh, title companies, mortgage companies, to painters, to carpet cleaners, to, you know, fence people, to all of those people. You have to go to the store and buy things and it helps everything. So I love being just a little cog in that wheel of knowing that we're helping just the economy in general, but realtors and ourselves, uh, we're going to continue to be there to help the buyers and sellers help the community, help the economy, and and, and uh, keep going. Truly moving fearlessly, keeping that economy going. Tony, thank you so much for talking with us today about how you get things done. It has been such a joy talking with you. Great. Thank you very much. The Relentless is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Century 21 Real Estate. You can find out more about the guests you heard in today's show and discover more great material from our Century 21 partners at slate.com slash c21relentless. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. All rights reserved. Nothing herein is intended to create an employment relationship. Century 21 Real Estate LLC fully supports the principles of the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. Each office is independently owned and operated. This material may contain suggestions and best practices that you may use at your discretion.